Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, and welcome here to Ebenezer. Whether you're with us in person or you're joining us online, we're so glad that you've decided to join us today. We have just a few things we want to draw to your attention this morning. First, we had announced last week that our next worship and prayer night would be happening on April 12th. However, that's going to be moved to Sunday, May 1st, so please join us then. Secondly, on April 3rd, next Sunday, we'll be having a baptism class after the second service. So if this is something that you would like to get more information on, please connect with Pastor Cal as he'll be leading the class uh, next Sunday after second service. And lastly, uh, also next week, we'll be having a newcomer welcome between the services at 1015 in the hospitality room. So if you're a bit newer to the Ebenezer community and you'd like to learn a bit more about us, please make sure to join us for this. Uh, So I want to welcome everyone here today. For those who don't know me, my name is Leighton Erickson. I serve as the lead pastor. And I want to welcome all of you, but I want to especially welcome a few people. So first of all, over here on this side, we have Prairie Hope Center, and they're here. Uh, so one of their leaders is up leading worship, so it's always great to have you, so welcome, welcome here to you. And then I also have a couple of, of really dear friends and spiritual mentors that are here today. So Dr. Paul Magnus and Jane are sitting over here. I think I saw them. Uh, they're from Briarcrest, and many of you know them. And... Uh, Paul was, was an interim uh, or transitional pastor between uh, Wes Long, who was here, and then myself taking over, and so he's really invested deeply in us, so thank you for that. And then Wes Long is here, Pastor Wes, and he's sitting back there with his family, and it's really good to see uh, Pastor Wes. Uh, pastor Wes served here as lead pastor for 19 years. And, uh, and, then, and then when I took over, they moved to Martinsville. And I think m- many of you know this, but uh, Pastor West just lost his wife, Jan, this past week, and the funeral was on Friday. And so, uh, again, to your whole family that's back there, uh, we just want to say that we love you, and we're going to continue to pray for you. And uh, we thank you for your ministry in our lives and also for your wife's ministry in our lives. And so thank you for that. So, um, over the past while, we've been assembling a journey wall for Ebenezer uh, to highlight some of the memories of our church family. And there's still time to submit some of those memories. There's forms at the back. But the purpose of this journey wall is to celebrate our many seasons of ministry and to help define and articulate who is Ebenezer, especially coming out of COVID, and where have we come from, and what do we need to do as we move forward. And so, as a follow-up exercise to this, um, we have set aside three nights in April to gather as a congregation and to kind of share those stories and hear those things as we plan for the future. And so those are going to be on April 5th and 6th in person here or April 7th uh, virtual online. And so if you would like to sign up for those, we would love to have you. And whether you're newer to us or whether you've been here a long time, it doesn't matter. Your input into this is, is very welcome. Uh, Will also mentioned that we've had some interns or some candidates here this past week. So Will Demetro and uh, Demetro, I should say, and uh, Ashlyn Feenstra. Ashlyn is working with the Rush kids right now. 
And so uh, we had a meeting between the services and we voted on them. And I have the numbers tabulated and I'm gonna keep Will and Ashlyn in suspense, okay? Uh, just, just, just for process here. So, but I would, I would say it's been a great time and they've been with us for six days and it's been intense for them and, and I'm, I'm confident that uh, should God move, they, they are gonna be great next youth pastors for us. Now, for those new to us, uh, we are currently working our way to the book of, of 2 Peter. And today we find ourselves in chapter 2. Now, if you've ever wondered why churches like us walk through Bible, Bible um, books like we do, it's because of chapters like 2 Peter chapter 2. Okay, now, if you don't know that chapter very well, let me just say this. You're probably not going to find many verses from 2 Peter 2 on your coffee mug or encouragement card, or inspirational poster, okay? And that's because uh, this is a warning passage that God speaks of condemnation and judgment to those who are evil. And that's why this chapter is often neglected, because people don't want to hear sermons on judgment. Like, I, I think you probably didn't come here today thinking, boy, I hope Leighton has a really good sermon on judgment and condemnation this morning, because that is just what I'm looking for, right? And that's especially true in today's culture. And so that's why it's easier for preachers to avoid passages like this than to preach on them. However, passages like this are important. And so first and foremost, chapter 2 is actually a, a message of warning to all those who think they can get away with abuse or evil or deception or any kind of evil activity to pursue the corrupt desires of their flesh, which usually center around the big three things like greed, and lust and power. And so it's a warning, first and foremost. But secondly, this passage is also a passage of hope and comfort. You know, so for example, as you look at the brokenness of our world, and, and our world is broken, you know, there's emotional and physical and sexual abuse. We see abuses of power all over the place. We, we face unfair criticisms and we face lies ourselves. Then there's these huge global injustices like the invasion of Ukraine and the unjust, unprovoked attacks of other people around the world. And if you've ever looked at or been witnesses to these injustices or it's ever happened to you or someone you know, and you found yourself asking you know, one, of the, one of the questions, the big questions like, uh, why do evil people see to go, seem to go unpunished? Or why do wicked people seem to prosper in life? If you've ever asked any of those questions, then this passage is for you. Because it's a passage of comfort, not condemnation. And because it's rooted in God's holy character and His sovereignty and His righteousness. And what that means is that no matter what the injustice is that we face in life or we see in life, the truth is, is that there is a judge of all the earth who always does what is right. And that is our good God. And even when evil appears to be triumphing and wicked people appear to be prospering, we can be confident that God has the final word on wickedness. Or possibly you're here this morning and you're experiencing an injustice yourself in your life right now and it's overwhelming you because there doesn't seem to be an end in sight or a way out. Then today's passage is also for you because this is a passage of hope. Because as you're going to see, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Now this is in fact the main theme of this passage. So if you find yourself today in the midst of the fray, and you're feeling overwhelmed and discouraged, I just want you to take heart. Now, specifically, 
Uh, this, in this chapter, Peter warns his audience to watch out for false teachers who had infiltrated the church. Or as Jude 4 says, which is a parallel passage, they, they had crept in un, unnoticed or they, they wormed their way into the church. That even describes kind of the nature of false teachers. And these false teachers were bringing destructive and, and seductive heresies that were causing young believers to turn away from the truth. Now, you're going to quickly see as we read the text this morning that the Peter, he doesn't hold back when he, when he speaks about these false teachers. He actually exposes their evil characteristics and motives. He reveals the danger of their, of their teaching to us, and he names the certainty of their fate. And he reminds us all that there's a day of judgment coming where God is going to triumph over evil and make the world right. And that day of judgment is a warning for the wicked, and it's a word of hope to a broken world. So let's read this, the passage together. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, and we're going to read the first 10 verses together this morning. Reading from the New International Version. And this is what it says. But there are also false prophets, prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. And they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. And many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteousness, uh, righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. And this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Well, I'm going to stop there because I want to leave some of this lighthearted reading for Pastor Wes Hodgson next week to, to go from. Um, but last week, if you recall, a Pastor Kel spoke about the importance and foundation of truth in our lives. And he reminded us that the source of all truth is not our human thinking, it's God. However, we know that God has chosen a few people to be his prophets or spokespeople to speak his words to the world and to write down his words and commands so that the rest of humankind like us could know God and we could know his truth. But as the passage tells us, there are also false prophets or agents of Satan whose sole purpose was to distort the truth and to lead people away from the truth and goodness of God. Now, verse 1 tells us more about the nature and ways of these false teachers. And so if you just look at, at verse 1, and this is what it says. You know, Peter begins this section by reminding the church that false prophets have been around for a long, long time and that their strategies are, are predictable. In fact, there's nothing new. In the Old Testament, these false prophets would contradict what God's true prophets would say by telling them only what their ears wanted to hear. 
Now, Jeremiah 23, we see the, the false prophets throughout the Old Testament, but Jeremiah 23 is a chapter that really talks about these false prophets. I just drew out a couple of verses here. This is what it says. Uh, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says, you will have peace. And to, the, and, to the, and to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. And by the way, those two things were lies. These prophets did not speak God's word. Instead, they spoke words to make people feel good. And Peter reminds the early church that just as there were false teachers among God's people in those days, there are going to be false teachers among God's people today, including our day. It's inevitable. Even Jesus warned us about these false teachers. You know, listen to what he said about them. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. He says, Watch out for false prophets, for they come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly they are ferocious wolves. In other words, that they come looking like one of us, but at their core there is something very different in their motivations and actions. Or Matthew chapter 24 says, And many false prophets will appear, and they'll deceive many people. So, so they're, they're going to be a, there's going to be a pull. They're going, to, they're going to trick people. The Apostle Paul also warned about the dangers of false teachers. Acts 20 says this, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Did you get that? So even from in the ranks of the church, people are going to rise up and they're going to bring a false teaching that is going to deceive people and lead people astray. And if you're following uh, you know, church right now in Christianity, you know that there are false teachers that are bringing a different type of truth. And it's very dangerous for the church. Galatians 1 says this, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is a different gospel, but some of you are confusing, but some who are confusing you and want you to pervert the gospel of Christ. And see, there are people that are, are presenting a different gospel now, and God calls them false teachers. These false teachers were commonplace in those days, and they were among the people, and unfortunately, they're going to be with us today as well. Now, as we continue in verse 1, uh, Peter tells his audience how these false teachers work. And we see, first of all, they, they secretly introduce these destructive heresies. Now, I don't want to assume that everyone knows what a heresy is, so let me just describe that. It's, first of all, it's, it's dangerous and it's serious. And it's much more than just a difference of opinion or an innocent mistake of interpreting the Scriptures. You know, so for example, if I'm up here and I say something wrong, you know, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm uh, being heretical. It means that I made a mistake. Okay, and then you can correct me on that and we can change that and make sure it's right the next time. Heresies are very different. They, they attack core doctrines that are essential and central to our faith. And when misrepresented, they become destructive to Christianity. And so when I talk about core doctrines, I mean things like the deity of Christ or the, the Trinity or the resurrection of Jesus. Things that if you took them away, they, they would reshape our faith and make it something that it's not. And so these false teachers are coming in and they're bringing in these, these heresies. And, and Peter continues to talk about and describe these false teachers in their ways. He alludes to the fact that they're agents of Satan. 
that their mission is to be just like, like uh, Satan, who is the deceiver, to come and deceive people, as many people as they can. At the core, Peter says they're evil. They even deny the Lord who bought them. Literally, they, they deny all that Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. They deny Christ's return, which is one of the things we've looked at before, which really gave people a license to sin if they didn't think Jesus was coming back to judge them. And they, live, they lived a depraved lifestyle that contradicted the ways of God. Now, as we move into uh, the next couple of verses, verses 2 and 3, we gain some more insight to who these teachers were, but we also gain some insight into those that would follow these teachers. And so we, we see that. So first of all, it says in verse 2, many will follow their depraved conduct. Now, those that follow false teachers are, are being deceived, and often they're, they're chasing after their own uh, sensual and, and sexual desires. And again, I want to go back to, to Jude uh, verse 4 because it unpacks this message uh, that the false teachers were, were sharing. And this is what it says, ungodly people have wormed their way into churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Now, let me, let me just pause there for a second. Because if you know some of the movements that are happening right now, including the progressive Christianity movement, which overemphasizes God's grace and underemphasizes God's judgment, and essentially what is being said and taught is that because of God's grace and love, we can live however we want to here on earth. And that is a dangerous teaching. Their message was, was essentially you can do whatever you want with your body. And in those days... As it is in our days, it becomes a license to practice sexual immorality. And a lot of that was around sexual sin. Now, the verse continues, they will bring the way of truth into disrepute. You see, instead of walking in the way of truth, and in a way that would bring honor uh, and glory to Jesus, followers of these false teachers, they actually were, were not disciples of Jesus, they were, they were anti-disciples. They were following the wrong way, and they brought dishonor to the name of God. And that was, that was destructive. It, 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 it dishonored God, and it brought God's name into disrepute. They go on and talk about uh, their greed as teachers and, and exploiting people and fabricating stories. You know, Peter spared no words in his condemnation of these false teachers. He exposed their prime motive, and their prime motive here was greed. And they, what they would do is they would prey on the weak and gullible to fill their pockets. Now again, does that sound familiar to you? You know, have you ever heard of, of evangelists or preachers who, who give people what their itching ears want to hear and, and call for their donations and then fill their pockets with money? And, and these false teachers uh, are people that even today commercialize religion and exploit the gullible to fill their pockets. And what Peter says at the end of this verse is that their condemnation has been hanging over them, and the destruction has not been sleeping. In other words, Peter reminds a scattered church that God's condemnation will come to those who do this. And the teachers might think they're getting away with the exploitation for a while, but they actually stand condemned, and in the end, is going to be their destruction. Again, um, just light words to hear on, on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Uh, but before we leave this, this section of Scripture that talks about false teachers and their followers, I just want to um, just kind of summarize and pull out the difference between false teachers' teaching and the truth of the gospel, because it is a huge contrast. You know, so for example, false teachers 
bring destruction with their words. The gospel brings life. Uh, false teaching is Christless and empty, and it leads us to the world, which is also empty. And the gospel leads us to our master and savior who, who bought us at a price and fills us with good things. False teaching is, is often uh, and commonly self-centered in its theology. And whereas the gospel is Christ-centered in our, our theology, we think about Christ first. And this self-centered theology of the false teaching always leads us to this self-indulgent living. And so even when you look at, at false teachers, you can actually see who they are because of who, how they live their lives and, and what, what's in their character. It's self-indulgent. Whereas Christ-centered theology leads us to Christ-like living, which loves and serves other people. Totally different. False teaching destroys the heart and the hope of the gospel and denies the gospel's power, whereas the gospel fills us with joy, hope, and power. And, and when I look at this list, you know, just as I have it up there, I'm thinking, who would want what the false teachers are offering? Like, it's the gospel that brings life and hope in our lives. Now, uh, third and finally in this passage, what I want to do is I want to, I want to spend the rest of the time just looking and considering the nature and ways of God. So we've seen the nature and ways of false teachers, the nature and ways of those that follow false teachers. And now let's, let's look at the good thing, the nature and ways of God. And so in this final section, Peter's going to give us three examples of God's nature and ways to remind us how, uh, how his audience, how God has judged evil in the past, and to prove to them that the Lord knows how to judge and how to rescue so they would be encouraged and not give up in the circumstances that they find themselves in. In fact, as I said earlier, this really is the main point and central message of this, the first half of this chapter. And it's summarized in, in verse 9. And verse 9 begins, If this is so, referring to the examples that we're going to look at in a second, uh, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. So in other words, um, I don't know where you're at in life or what's overwhelming you, but whatever that is, don't become so discouraged in your circumstances that you give in or give up. Don't, don't lose hope in life. Don't abandon your faith because God's not doing something you think he should right now in this moment. Don't believe the lie that Christ is not going to return so there's going to be no judgment and no accountability. And don't be robbed of your peace. And don't even take matters into your own hand. Because you see, when we don't think God can rescue us, then we think we have to rescue ourselves. And then we start taking matters into our own hands. Now, um, Peter goes back to the book of Genesis and pulls out uh, three examples of the Lord's judgment and rescue to prove to the readers that God knows how to judge and that he knows how to rescue the godly. And each one begins with the word if. So if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, if God did not spare the ancient world, if God did not, if God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and then he goes on and explains that. Now, if he did these things, then uh, what he's really saying is we can trust God's words. We can trust that, that Jesus will return. We can trust that false teachers and prophets will be held to account and judged. We can trust that God will have the final word on evil. We can trust that God will restore the brokenness of this world. We can trust that God will make things right. And we can trust that one day God will, will um, make a new creation that will be part of at least those who follow him. 
Okay, so let's look at these examples. First example is fallen angels. And, and I want to layer these in a, in a different way as well because it's not just fallen angels, but, but to me, it, it speaks to judgment on a cosmic realm. Okay, so this is the fallen angels. And uh, this is almost certainly referring to events recorded in Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. In fact, the next example is Genesis 6, verses 5 and following. Okay, so um, the world at that time was, uh, the world that God created was spinning out of control. And so we think it's spinning out of con control right now, but I, I think this is nothing, not even nothing compared to the world back then. And although the scriptures don't give us a lot of details on this story, they give us enough to know what's happening. And so let me just kind of fill you in from Genesis chapter 6. It appears that there are angelic being, beings in the passage called the sons of God who are able to move uh, between the heavenlies and, and earth. And these angelic beings, beings found daughters of men beautiful. And so they, they took them as their wives. And then when they had uh, children, they were these, these um, supernatural, you know, physical beings, uh, half, half angelic, half human, and they were, they were actually giants, the, the Nephilites, a, a giant race of half man, half angel, who the Scripture says became uh, famous warriors of ancient times. Now, that's what was happening on that plane, but God, in His ways, was not pleased with, with what was, was happening, and so he, he ended up punishing these angels. And it says in the Scripture that He, he cast them into hell, that he, that he bound them. And what Peter is, is saying to his audience is this, that if God did not spare the, the powerful, glorious angels He created to serve Him, why do we think He's not going to judge us? You know, if he, if he didn't spare those people created for His purposes, why do we think we're going to escape this thing? And so that's, that's the first example, is fallen angels. And then he gives a second example in the verses that follow, which is Noah and the flood. And, and this is, I'll give you some context here. So uh, this is what it said in verse 5. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they, they thought and imagined was consistently and totally evil. And so the Lord was sorry he had made them and put them on the earth, and it broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this, this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy everything living, all the people, large animals, small animals that scurry around the ground, and even the birds in the sky, for I am sorry I have made, uh, made them. And then the very next verse says this, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so we have this situation of this evil world that was uh, spinning completely out of control. And then this one man named Noah who was found blameless, the only person on earth. And God saw that the earth had become so corrupt and was filled with violence that he chose to judge the earth, and yet he chose to rescue Noah and his family. And we know that that, that devastation was huge. And God uh, caused a, a flood to come, and, and everything that wasn't on the ark was killed. And Peter's message coming out of this example is twofold. And again, we went from the cosmic now to this global perspective that if God didn't spare the ancient world when they were filled with evil and sin, then why do we think he will spare us from judgment? That's the first thing. But this, the next thing is that if God preserved Noah and seven others in his family, 
then we can have confidence that God knows how to rescue the godly today. Now, I didn't say that God will rescue you out of your situation. That would be false teaching. Okay? I'm saying that God knows how to rescue you because sometimes um, God's plan is not to rescue you, but you're going to endure it. The hope is, is that one day in the future when God makes everything right, He'll restore those things so that momentary trouble is going to seem small compared to everything else. But the hope is, is that God knows how to rescue the godly, and He pulled Noah out in a miraculous way and saved him. The last example is the example of, of Sodom and Gomorrah in, chapter, in verses 6 to 8. And this time it goes from this cosmic judgment or justice to this global judgment of justice to something that's very targeted and it's responding to something that's happening and this final example is a tragic and sad story of Sodom and Gomorrah and in Genesis 18 and 19 it describes the, the sinfulness of these cities and, and it was they're incredibly sinful but it also describes a man named Abraham um, talking with the Lord and, and uh, trying to keep these cities from being destroyed advocating for them but these two, two communities um, were absolutely and completely lost in their, lost their way. And so they could not even find uh, ten righteous people um, in the cities. And, and so God ended up destroying them by burning them to ashes. And Peter goes on to explain in the second half of verse 6 that the, that the horrible end of these two cities is an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly in the final day of the Lord. So, so he's saying that what happened there is actually a picture of what's going to happen one day to us when God comes back to the, to the, to the ungodly. And Peter's message is this. If, if God carried out his judgment to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, what makes us believe there won't be a day of judgment for us? That's a sobering thought. And it's especially sobering if we're not living in the ways of God and we're rebelling against him. Because there is going to be a day that's coming. But thankfully, uh, this story is not just a story of God's judgment. It's actually a story of God's mercy and grace. You see, God rescued Lot from that uh, fire that came down. In fact, if you look at the story back in, in Genesis uh, chapter 18 and 19, the, the angel that came to rescue Lot finally said to Lot, grabbed his hand and says, we have to go now or you're going to be destroyed. And he walked him out of the city to safety. Because God knows how to rescue people. And just as God gave a warning to Lot and his family of the impending judgment, he warns each of us of a future judgment as well. And we need to hear that warning. And just as Lot acted on the warning and was rescued, we too can respond to God's warning and be spared from God's final judgment. You see, uh, warnings and warning passages like this are not meant to be negative. Actually, they're a gift of mercy from God. They give all of us the opportunity to respond in faith to God's rescue mission in Jesus Christ. And that's actually the deepest longing of God's heart. God's heart is not to see how we can punish people or how many people he could punish, far from that. You know, as we're going to see in, in the chapter that's coming, chapter 3, we see God's heart in terms of, of how he wants to respond to people and see people respond to him. Chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 
See, that's God's heart, is He, is he actually wants people to come to repentance. And so He issues warnings, and He gives examples so we might run to Him and not to the false teachers. Now, from these three examples, again, they prove that the God knows how to rescue the godly, but they also prove that God knows how to judge the unrighteous. Okay, so let, let me just wrap up with, with um, four, four takeaways from this morning as I summarize uh, the sermon. Here's, here's takeaway number one. Uh, we can expect false teachers to worm their way into the church today, including into our church. And, and as I said, there is a movement out there, and I'm going to name it, and I might get some emails later on. That's fine. Again, please send them to cal at ebenezerbaptist.ca. <laughs> uh, I would appreciate that if you would do that. Um, but but there, there is a progressive movement of Christianity that's denying some of the core tenets of the faith, and it is destructive, and it is dangerous. And if you're a person who's walking down that path, you need to talk to other godly people to help us understand what does the gospel really say. So there's going to be false teachers that are going to worm their way into the church and into our church, and we see that happening around us. Number two, don't fall victim to their, their destructing destructive teaching, no matter how attractive it might look. And by the way, um, false teachers have an attractive message, right? Whether that's, you know, you know, love God to get rich, or whether that's, um, you know, love God's grace to do whatever you want. Like, there's an attractive message, and, and, you know, sin is always attractive for a season, but in the end, it's destructive. And so, don't be swept away by something that looks good and, and, and scratches you where you itch, and you think, this is the type of gospel I want. The type of gospel we want to follow and serve is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we need to seek to find out what that is and respond to it, not adjust our lives or the gospel to our lives. Number three, God is true to his word, and he's faithful to his church, and we can count on that. So as a follower of, follower of Jesus, we must always remember no matter how unjust or difficult the circumstances we find ourselves in, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly. And I, I don't know what, what you're going through. The one thing that honestly I think about right here is as I think about the, the, uh, the war in Ukraine. And I think of, God, why are you allowing this to happen and will you rescue the godly? And no matter what the circumstances, whether it's something like that or something in your life, just know that God knows how to rescue the godly, and he sees you. Now, again, I said he doesn't always rescue the godly, but he's going to make things right one day, and we can count on that and trust him for it. And then fourth, in the same way, God cannot deny himself. He will be faithful to his word and judge the world fairly and righteously, just as he promised. And this is a warning to false teachers and to those that follow them. And we must remember that the Lord knows how to keep the unrighteous under judgment. And so his cry and his call is that we heed his warning and respond to his mercy. And these, war, these words, again, are a warning to the wicked. But they're really meant to be a warning that brings you into faith in Jesus Christ and their hope and comfort to the righteous. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we close. And, and let, let me just pray. So, Father... Again, we, we come to you and we say we're thankful for passages like this, even though they're, they'd be easy to avoid. 
uh, because of the nature of them. And we thank you that even in your judgment, we see your character and your kindness and your mercy. And thank you, God, that you see us and you care for us and you long for us to walk with you. And so if there are people here today that are, are not walking with you or don't know you or walking away from you, I pray that you, would, that you would speak to their heart now and that they would respond and turn back to you, the God who is ready to receive them. And for those of us that are, find ourselves in a place of struggle, and we, we are, are sensing the pressure all around us, uh, and we are wondering, God, do you see us? Can you rescue us? Uh, in your grace and mercy, would you not let us bear more than we can endure? And may you rescue us or show us your ways and be present with us so we know that you're there. And then for all of us, God, help us to know you more and love you more and to discern the difference between those who teach falsely and those who teach the truth. And so we commit ourselves to this in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So let's stand in closing as we sing one last song. And again, if you're our guest here this morning or new to us, um, one of our practices here is that uh, in this song, we open up our altar, which means we just simply open it up for time to pray. And so if you've come here today and there's something on your heart, you have the option of turning to people around you and just being honest because this is what we are as the family of God. We're honest about who we are and just say, I need prayer today. Would you pray for me? And if you don't recognize anyone near you or you don't feel comfortable sharing those things, there'll be some staff members up at the front and it would be our joy and delight to be able to pray with you and to, to go to the throne room of God and to seek his face for you this morning. And so as we sing and worship, we're also going to minister to one another this morning. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.